Chapter One of Eight Girls and a Dog. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Eight Girls and a Dog by Carolyn Wells. Chapter One Pillows and Pitchers. Is there any way to pack pillows and pitchers? said Margie, framing herself in the front doorway, one hand grasping recklessly the handles of three large pitchers and both arms full of sofa pillows. The group on the veranda looked up at her doubtfully. Yes, said brilliant Nan. Have your pitchers bigger than your pillows, and the thing is done. But the pillows are bigger than the pitchers. Then pack the pitchers in the pillows, said Betty. Why, of course, Betty, you're a genius. And Margie disappeared with her burdens, while the girls on the veranda fell to chattering again like half a dozen shirt-waisted magpies. Now I know that a story with eight heroines is an imposition upon even the gentlest of readers, but you see there were eight girls in the Blue Ribbon Cooking Club, and when their president, Marjorie Bond, proposed that they go down to Long Beach and spend a fortnight all by themselves in her father's cottage, the whole club rose up as one girl and voted I objections were disposed of as fast as they were raised permission the girls were sure that the sixteen parents concerned could be persuaded to see the matter in a favorable light expense that should be divided equally among them all trouble would be more than compensated by the fun luggage not so very much required the house was completely furnished except with linen and silver and each girl should take her share burglars that idea caused some apprehension but when marjorie said that uncle ned and aunt molly would be right next door plans were suggested significant to scare any reasonably cautious burglar out of his wits and so the preliminaries had been arranged and the date decided upon and the day had come it was thursday morning when they were to leave on the noon train and now although ten o'clock had struck six sailor-hatted girls were gathering on the bonds veranda hurriedly making final arrangements and frantically trying to remember what were the most important things they had forgotten it's like a fire jessie carroll was saying you know people always save their old trash and leave their best things to burn up now i'm sure i've packed just the very things we won't want and left home the things we'll need the most and that reminds me nan can't i put my best hat in your box i just had to take my down comfortable and it was so puffy it wouldn't leave room for anything else oh don't take your best hat cried betty miller we're not going down to the long beach to dress up and be giddy it's so late in the season none of the summer boarders will be there and we're going to wear flannel frocks all day and tramp in the woods and lull in the hammocks and get brown as berries and hungry as hunters and uncivilized as as hottentots yes betty but remember somebody has to cook for these hungry hottentots said mrs bond smiling aren't you afraid girls that you'll get tired of cooking and you'll find that there's a great deal of work connected with housekeeping if you do it all yourselves oh no indeed mrs bond said nan kellogg I just love to cook, and I don't mind housework a bit. Mamma thinks it will be good training for me. Such doings, exclaimed Grandma Bond. 
a lovely old lady of the silver-haired apple-cheeked variety living on chafing-dish foolery for two weeks you'll all be ill or starving to death in three days and you'll wish yourselves back in your comfortable homes not we grandma cried betty we have a gas stove and a range besides our beloved chafing-dish and we won't starve but if nan makes our welsh rarebits i'll promise that we won't be ill her concoctions are the stuff that dreams are made of oh here's helen what's your misfortune my pretty maid helen morris came up on the veranda and dropped into a big wicker chair and fanned herself with her hat girls i'm exhausted you know i said i'd take all the things for the afternoon tea but i had no idea they were so many why i've packed a whole barrel and they're not all in yet to be sure it's mostly tissue paper and excelsior but i was so afraid they'd break and i couldn't get the tea cosy in at all or the dredston cups i'd hate to break them yes said benny sympathetically don't break the tea cosy whatever you do if it's that pretty yellow satin one but you don't know ingenuity nell why don't you wear it down on your head then you'll look like a drum major i will if you all obey my orders well this won't do for me i must go back and reason with those tea things i just ran over a minute because i saw you all here if i can't get them into the barrel i'll have to take a cask besides good-bye i'll meet you at the train station what time do we start twelve ten replied hester lavenwork i'll go home with you helen and help you pack your china yes do said betty two heads are better than one in any barrel but the two heads were already bobbing down the walk and didn't hear betty's parting shot nell's crazy remarked millicent payne who always did everything leisurely yet always had it done on time i do hope her barrel will go safely for her teacups and things are lovely shall we have tea every afternoon asked marguerite alden a fragile wisp of a girl who looked as if a real strong ocean breeze would blow her away i'm so glad i don't care for the tea at all but having it with all the girls together will be such fun only i do hate to wash up the tea things girlies said mrs bond it'll be so much better all around if you'd hire a neat little maid to wash your dishes for you you can probably find one down there i'm sure you'll be glad to have help when you consider what dishwashing for eight means i think it would be heaps better mrs bond said marguerite i don't see how we can have any fun if we have to work all the time lazy daisy said betty you won't do any more than your share but we won't let the interloper do any of our cooking i insist on that all right betty said marguerite or daisy as the girls called her though she wished they wouldn't and you may be chief cook no said betty i'm not chief cook marjorie is that i'll be the first assistant i'll prepare the vegetables for her and be a a peeler hooray for betty the peeler said marjorie appearing again in the front door and what am i you're the cook said millicent but we're all cooks yes i know but you're head cook chief cook cook plenipotentiary or any title you prefer then i'll be cook said marjorie just plain cook indeed you'll be more than a plain cook said her mother laughing 
if you attempt any of those fancy dishes and all those recipe books i saw you stowing away in your trunk oh they weren't all recipe books some of them were delectable tales to be read out loud at twilight hour i could only take light literature as the box weighs about a ton now so i was forced to leave out advice to young maidens and carl lee's french revolution for i really hadn't room i hope you took rollo learning to work for i'm sure we'll need it no betty i didn't but i packed first aid to the injured and alice in wonderland we can struggle along with those there's a circulating library down at long beach said nan kellogg we can get books there now look here my rising young authoress said betty you're not going down there to read all the time or write either so you may as well make up your mind to it milady first as last we'll have no bookworms or blue stockings cooks not books is our motto now duchess look over your lists for the last time i'm going home to lock my trunk and then i'm going to don my war paint and feathers i am too said nan and i want to go down to the station an hour before train time as to have ample leisure to come back for what i forget good idea said marjorie approvingly the girls called her duchess because she had a high and mighty way of giving orders not an unpleasant way oh dear no marjorie bond was the favorite of the whole village of middletown her stately air was due to the fact that she was rather tall for her sixteen years and carried herself as straight as an arrow she could have posed admirably for a picture of pocahontas her dark bright eyes were always dancing and her saucy gypsy face was always smiling for marjorie had a talent for enjoyment which she cultivated at every opportunity the girl said she could get fun out of anything from a scolding to a jug of sour cream and that latter fact suggests marjorie's pet accomplishment which though prosaic afforded much pleasure to herself and her friends she was a born cook and by experiment and experience had become a proficient one two years ago she had proposed the cooking club and though not very enthusiastic at first every one of the eight members would tell you that nothing in middleton was ever quite so much fun as the cooking club i'm sure i thought of everything said the duchess wrinkling her pretty brows over a handful of scribbled lists you're to bring the forks nanny and a pair of blankets and a tablecloth and don't forget your napkin ring and your jolly vienna coffee pot and betty take your chafing dish we'll need two millicent you're responsible for the spoons and jessie knives lazy daisy will take a hammock and i'll take one too i've packed lots of sofa pillows and i hope helen will take her banjo i've lost my most important list so i may have forgotten something but i've packed towels hand and dish and a scrub brush and a tack hammer and isn't that all we'll need to keep house except this good-for-nothing little bundle my own only timmy lou will you go with us honey marjorie picked up the bundle in question who wagged his absurd moppy silvery ears and his still more absurd moppy silvery tail and accepted the invitation with a few staccato barks of joy that means yes of course 
said Betty. His French accent is so perfect. Even I can understand it. Well, goodbye to me. I'll see you later. Can you take him on the train, Marjorie? No, he'll have to ride in the baggage car. But I've explained it all to him, and he doesn't mind. And he'll keep an eye on our trunks and wheels. Timmy Lou barked again and blinked his eyes acquiescently and betty gave him a final pat on his funny little nose and ran away home i must go too said marguerite rising as she spoke and picking a full-blown rose from the trellis above her head a careless observer probably would have called marguerite the prettiest of all cooking club girls she was small slender and graceful with a rose-leaf complexion and sea-blue eyes and a glory of golden hair that the girls called her halo. She was visionary and romantic, and her special chum was Nan Kellogg, who was lounging in the hammock, with her hands clasped behind her head and her eyes closed. Nan was a dark-haired, olive-skinned southern girl with a poetic temperament and a secret ambition to write verse. Come, girl, said Marguerite, dropping rose petals one by one on Nan's nose, what are you dreaming of oh said nan opening her eyes i was thinking what gay old times we're going to have down there i'm so glad we're going marjorie you're such a darling i shall dedicate my first book of poems to you do said marjorie but don't write them while we're down at long beach what shall we do if you go off on a poetic flight when it's your turn to boil the potatoes Oh, I shan't boil potatoes. They're too prosaic. Omelette souffle is the very plainest thing I shall ever cook. Grandma Bond groaned. Margie, she said despairingly, I hope you pack the medicine chest I gave you. Oh, yes, Grandma. And your bundle of old linen and salve for burns and your arnica flowers for bruises and your sticking plaster for cuts and your toothache drops and your balsam balm. Oh, the hospital department will give you a vote of thanks, engrossed and framed. Now go on home, Nan and Daisy. I know you'll miss the train. Yes, we must go. Goodbye, Grandma. For all the girls insisted on sharing Marjorie's grandma, and the dear old lady's heart was big enough for them all. Goodbye, Grandma. Give us a parting word. Grandma's eyes twinkled as she replied, well, I advise you to remember that too many broths spoil the cook. Six merry laughs greeted this speech, and Nan replied, Indeed they do, and I won't allow more than three kinds of soup at any one meal. Now I'm off, Marjorie. I'll meet you at the train, and, oh, Duchess, I most forgot to ask you. Brother Jack says, Can he and Ted come down and spend a day with us? No, indeed, cried Marjorie. We are not going to allow a boy in sight all the time we are there. Tell them we are sorry to refuse, but we are not running a co-educational institution, and only girls need apply. I did tell him that, but he begged me to ask you again. No, said Marjorie, laughing, but a positive. Tell him we turn a deaf ear, I mean sixteen deaf ears, to his entreaties, and harden our eight hearts to his appeal. There is no use, girls, if the boys come down. They'll spoil everything, don't you think so? Yes, said each girl, but with such varying accents that Mrs. Bond laughed heartily, 
while marguerite shook her yellow curls and protested that she didn't want the boys anyways even if they did bring candy then she and nan went home and jess carroll said we'll have plenty of candy marjorie for father will send it down whenever i want him to oh jessie that will be fine it will be just like boarding school when the boxes come from home said hester lavenrock who had returned from helen and her refractory tea things hester was an english girl who had only been in america about a year and was not yet quite accustomed to the rollicking ways of the rest of the club i think she went on slowly i may take my camera down if you like it will be rather good fun to take pictures of us all yes indeed you must take your camera said marjorie what larks we'll have jolly pictures and if helen takes her banjo we can sing songs and have concerts oh dear the time won't be half long enough send me up a picture of the group when you've spoiled your dinner in the cooking and haven't anything to eat said grandma slyly now grandma cassandra you mustn't talk like that said marjorie but you can't dampen our spirits with your dire prognostications we have too much confidence in our own capabilities skip along girls i'm going to get ready now and we'll all meet at the station the crowd scattered and millicent Payne said well i'm the last little engine and i reckon i'll go too and then there'll be none millicent Payne was marjorie's dearest friend and chum and lived next door at least she was supposed to but she almost lived at the bonds millicent was a delightful girl to know she was so clever and bright and took such an interest in anything that interests anybody else such a kind whole-hearted interest that neither was curious nor critical and she had such funny little tricks of imagination if for any reason her surroundings were not quite as she wished they were she immediately created for herself an environment that suited her better and quite oblivious of facts lived and moved among her fancies she was devoted to stories and fairy tales and would repeat them in an irresistibly funny manner becoming at times so imbued with the spirit of fantasy that she seemed a veritable witch or pixie herself run along millikins called marjorie come back when you are ready and we'll all go down together end of chapter one